Welcome to Cohen & Company's Chief Insights Podcast, a thought leadership series designed for C-level executives, board members, and other top decision makers. Hello, I'm Marie Brillmeyer, an assurance partner at Cohen & Company and head of the firm's nonprofit group. Welcome to this episode of Chief Insights. One of the topics we typically discuss with our nonprofit clients, contacts, and prospects is unrelated business income tax, or UBIT. Specifically, how to identify situations that would give rise to UBIT, should you or can you avoid those situations, and if you have UBIT, what do you do about it? Here to help us answer these questions is Kathy Lorenz, a tax partner at Cohen & Company. A good percentage of her time is spent dealing with the taxation of nonprofits, including Forms 990 and 990T reporting, and consulting on UBIT. Thanks, Marie. So I'm really happy to be here today to help clear up some of these questions. Great. Well, first, let's start by talking about the taxation of nonprofits overall. So many think of nonprofits as wholly tax-exempt, but we all know that that isn't true. So, Kathy, can you just speak to some types of taxes that nonprofits typically pay? You're right. They're not wholly tax-exempt. For example, of course, they pay payroll taxes on their wages. They can pay sales and use tax on their purchases. Some nonprofits pay excise tax. There are different types of nonprofits, and so you have to be concerned about that, and there can be excise tax issues. And then, of course, there's the unrelated business income tax, or UBIT, as you mentioned before. So unrelated business income. So can you describe briefly what that is and maybe provide some examples, some common examples? Basically, a nonprofit organization is not supposed to be competing with commercial businesses. So if an organization regularly carries on a trade or business that is not substantially related to its exempt purpose, that income may be considered unrelated business income. So an example could be selling goods or providing services, renting extra space in a building that it has, providing advertising for some of its donors. Those are some real common examples that we see. So you talked about an organization regularly carrying on trader business that's not substantially related to its exempt purpose. So I think a common question that we get about this definition are organizations like Goodwill Stores um, or the Salvation Army. Um, How is it that those items are or that income is tax exempt? Um, or are those organizations paying UBIT on all of that income that they generate from their stores? So that's exactly what makes UBIT so tricky. The Salvation Army and Goodwill stores do seem on its face to be competing with the commercial businesses. However, there are many exceptions that will cause the income not to be subject to this tax. One of them would be if you're selling products that have been donated donated product sales would be an exception, and therefore that income would not be subject to unrelated business income tax or UBIT. Another would be if the work is performed by unpaid volunteers, which may or may not be the case in Goodwill stores, but that would be another situation where something that seemed to be competing with a commercial enterprise could be exempt. Now, does it have to be substantially all of the goods are donated and all of the hours are worked by volunteers, or is it that all of it has to be? 
substantially all is the benchmark. So you can have paid managers or you could potentially purchase some items to supplement your inventory, but substantially all of the goods would have to be donated and substantially all of the services would have to be by volunteers. Now, what about special events? So we've all been to golf outings, other fundraising events, dinners. I'm going to one this weekend. Um, What happens with um, the income that's generated as a result of those types of events? Fundraising. It's a very important part of what nonprofits do to help them do their good works. And those are the types of events I think that you're talking about. Fundraising by statute is not related to the exempt purpose of the charity. So at first pass, it would definitely be subject to unrelated business taxable income. However, as I mentioned earlier, there are many, many, many exceptions. One of them would be that the event is not regularly carried on. So a golf outing once or twice a year, a dinner once or twice a year is not a regularly carried on business venture. That's the most common way that these organizations can exempt this income from UBIT. Another would be the volunteer workforce, the donated merchandise. Again, those exceptions oftentimes can qualify for these fundraiser dinners and things of that nature. That makes sense. So one area that you mentioned early on in the beginning was advertising. Um, And I run into this quite a bit with many of my nonprofit clients. Um, You know, they might have advertising that they sell in publications, magazines. They might have trucks or other vehicles where they'll sell um, the rights for an organization or another entity to put their logo on that truck. Um, Can you speak to some of the issues here and when nonprofits would have to be careful um, that they're getting into the unrelated business income tax area? Basically, you have to be careful that there isn't a quid pro quo type of a relationship between the benefit that the donor is receiving and the payment that they're making to the charity. So the easiest way to exempt advertising income would be having the payment fit into the sponsorship category. A sponsorship is a situation where a donor receives the benefit of having their name maybe something about what they do, but nothing specifically about the products that they sell or their pricing that they have. It's just a recognition that the organization is connected with the donor. The second thing is being careful that there isn't a regular and continuous relationship, maybe in a monthly subscription that a charity may have where they're publishing something regularly and that the donor is not receiving a benefit regularly and continuously in a publication of an organization. So keep in mind, Marie, UBIT isn't the end of the world. Think of an example like an orchestra that has advertising in its program book. That very likely could be subject to the unrelated business income tax. It absolutely might be UBIT, but there's a benefit provided, and it's in excess of the tax that would be paid probably, so it's okay. Really, the issue is knowing when you have the situation and understanding how you can avoid it if you'd like to. Another area that you talked about earlier or touched on earlier is related to lease income, such as if your organization owns a building, has some extra space in that building, and then they lease it out. So this is an area that many organizations might reach out 
to us specifically to ask if that's okay. So I know that there's specific rules and guidance around that. So can you just speak to when that would be taxable and when that wouldn't be? So the issue becomes complicated if the property was acquired with debt. If you just have a building that you are in and you own and you're leasing extra space, that would not cause a problem. But if you take on debt to purchase a building, if you take on debt, maybe not even directly related to purchasing the building, but tangentially related to purchasing a building, then you do have to be calculating what portion of your rental income could be subject to the UBIT tax. So does that debt have to specifically be aligned with the building or you said tangentially? So could it be that um, an organization borrowed on their line of credit um, in order to purchase a building? Correct. If the debt would not have been taken on but for the property that you're renting, then it's considered to be acquisition debt, even if it's not directly related. So now let's consider that your organization has unrelated business income. Now what? What are the things that an organization needs to do? Well, the first thing they're going to have to do is be able to separate the revenue and expenses that are related to the UBIT from their other activities in order to calculate the profit or loss recognized from this activity. So that would be the first thing. If it's a fundraiser that is causing the UBIT, the third thing that they have to be able to do is to know the value of the donations. So often you will see on a ticket that you purchase for an event, there's a tax-deductible portion or there's a value associated with the dinner that you received or the value of the golf outing that you received. And so they have to be able to also divide that out when they charge extra. Once they've done that, then they will need to be completing a 990T. This is a separate tax form that is in addition to the annual 990 that they're required to do to maintain their tax-exempt status. The first $1,000 of UBIT income is exempt from tax. So if the amount is very low, they may not owe anything at all. The tax rate is 21%, just like a regular corporation. And so they will be calculating the tax at the 21% rate after the exemption. And finally, historically, organizations have been able to net together profitable and unprofitable activities that give rise to UBIT. That is no longer available. Old losses from prior years will be able to be used to offset current year profits, but going forward, those will have to be kept separate. So you might have an activity that generates a loss and one that generates a gain, and even netted together, if they're negative, you could still you will still owe tax. So you would need to segregate your unrelated business income into the different types of revenue streams, correct? Absolutely correct, yes. So how can an organization minimize the impact of that tax? The key is to pay attention to the exceptions. We've talked about a lot of them today, and if you want to be engaging in these types of activities without being subject to the tax, you need to be cautious about using volunteer labor, for example, or not performing the activity so often that it becomes regular and therefore subject to the tax. You mentioned before that not all UBIT 
is necessarily bad or should be avoided by all organizations. Um, there could be different facts and circumstances that you would accept that activity. Um, can there be too much unrelated business income? I think you mentioned if it becomes a regular activity that might trip the threshold of too much. What might be some of the risks if that occurs? So when an activity reaches the level of a regular business activity, it is subject to the UBIT tax. Your question, I think, is when is it so much that they might lose their tax-exempt status? And that is possible. The organization's primary purpose is supposed to be their charitable purpose, not being in business. So they do need to be careful that this activity does not rise to the level of being more than or more important than their tax exempt. There was an interesting private ruling several years ago um, about a herbal medicine organization. The charity was set up to educate people about the benefits of alternative medicines and herbal supplements. And because of their education, it really took off in the area that they were. People were very interested. And so they started developing as a fundraiser their own herbal supplements and medications. And at one point, the revenue generated from this was 88% of the total revenue of the organization. The IRS sought to revoke the tax-exempt status of this organization because they felt that they had tripped over to becoming a business. And when it was looked into further, it was determined that it was their education activities and their communication activities and all of the things they were doing to help promote the benefits of herbal supplements and alternative medicine that was causing the increase in the sales. And they were turning the money back into doing more and more of that. And so they did not lose their status, which was really great for them. So it, it is possible. It, has, it does come up, but it isn't always necessarily the kiss of death. So what are the financial statement impacts of unrelated business income and the related tax? I think what people want to understand is when the assurance team comes out, they're looking at these things. They are There are specific questions on the 990 with regard to was there a disclosure on your financial statement, that there was an uncertain tax position. So if the audit team is feeling, based on their knowledge and understanding of the activities you're performing, that maybe you have some exposure there, they would be required to make mention of that. And then we would be required to disclose that on the tax return. So because most nonprofits do have an audited or reviewed financial statement, they need to know that those two items are going to be sort of coordinating with each other. One of the areas that I think we didn't cover that maybe um, people might be interested in was the repeal of the parking tax. So can you just maybe briefly describe, you know, kind of what happened there um, I know you wrote a blog post on it, but just so that everyone's aware that, hey, that did occur, that has been repealed, and what is it that nonprofits need to do now in order to get the monies that they may have paid in as a result, um, get that refunded to them? The parking tax. Sorry. We spent <laughs> a lot of time on that. Yes. So uh, during the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, there was a change to the code that required that any nonprofit organization that provided 
parking to their employees at certain thresholds, that item would be an item of UBIT. We worked with a lot of our clients trying to educate them about this. We helped them gather the data that was needed to calculate the tax. And then, of course, we helped them do the returns. That was retroactively repealed back to the beginning as if it never existed. So anyone that has filled out the 990, paid the tax, made estimated payments, will need to file an amended return to get that money back. It's a relatively easy amendment to do, and we've already been helping some of our clients to do that. Great. I think we've covered some really interesting and useful points today to help nonprofit organizations identify unrelated business income and what that means tax and financial statement-wise. So, Kathy, what is one takeaway you hope listeners leave with today? So, leadership of nonprofits, as they look for alternative ways to raise funds in this challenging environment, need to be conscious of the unrelated business income tax and the issues. And while it's not a reason to forego some of these revenue-generating activities, they really should speak to their CPA, help get guidance from them as to how they can completely eliminate that tax or minimize it if necessary. And that way they'll be prepared for what's coming. Thank you, Kathy. And to everyone who joined us today, that will wrap up today's podcast. Have a great day. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Chief Insights. Subscribe to this podcast series at cohencpa.com slash podcasts. To gain more insights that may impact you, visit us at cohencpa.com slash impact. Cohen & Company is not rendering legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Information contained in this podcast is considered accurate as of the date of recording. Any action based on information in this podcast should only be taken after a detailed review of the specific facts, circumstances, and current law. 